good to be back with you guys. You know, at some point in our adulting process, we start to think about building a nest egg. I mean, early on, we put our energy into building a nest. And so we're trying to, you know, find a place to live. We're trying to find uh, gainful employment so that we can pay for said place to live. Uh, Many people along the way get married, have kids. Then you try to figure out a way to get your kids out of the nest. But at some point along the way, you, you start to give attention to the later years. And you start to think, how much do I need to put away? How much do I need to store up? Because uh, life is not getting any cheaper. I mean, things just keep getting more and more expensive. We think about housing. Housing just keeps getting more expensive. If you think about later years and you think you want to do any kind of travel at all, maybe to visit family or to see parts of the world that you've never seen, travel just keeps getting more and more expensive. Healthcare. I mean, need I say... Anymore, And so we start to think about how much do I need to store up so that I have enough when my later years come around. Now, if you were here last week, you know there's a tension in this whole idea of storing up. Because Steve talked about the fact that there's a danger in storing up uh, too much or for the wrong reasons. And he led us through a study of the, the parable of the rich fool who was a man whose, whose fields produced a lot. And so he had more than he knew what to do with. And so he tore down his barns that he had and he built new barns so that he would have more storage. And so he thought he had it made. He said, you know, now I'm just gonna sit back. I'm gonna just take life easy. And God said, not so fast. I, I'm, I'm calling you, I, I'm calling it, you're, you're done. And now what happens to all of that? stuff. I mean, that, that's the question. What the, the lesson, one of the lessons in that parable is that our nest egg cannot protect us from death. It can't deliver us from death. And so then what happens when we die? I mean, what, what is accomplished with all of what we may have accumulated? And so this morning, I want to talk about a different kind of nest egg, and if you're here for the first time, if you're exploring faith, maybe, maybe you don't know a whole lot about the Bible, you don't know a whole lot about Jesus, you, as, as we talk about this kind of nest egg, you're going to say, this is really different. This, this is really different from the kind of nest egg that my friends talk about, from the kind of nest egg that my coworkers talk about or that all of our culture talks about, because a lot of what our culture talks about in terms of nest eggs is driven by fear And as Steve said last week, fear can lead to greed, but there's a whole other alternative to this, and that is faith and trust. Fear leads to greed, but faith leads to freedom. And it is possible to lay up a nest egg that is done out of freedom, and we're going to look at how to do that this morning. So if you would take a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 12. That's where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one on the seat close to you. It's on page 964. No, I'm sorry, 965. And Or if you have a device, you're welcome to turn on that. I'd love for you to look at the passage as we're walking through this so that you know the things I'm sharing are not just my idea, but this is things from God's Word. We're in a series called Against the Grain. And earlier in this series, we saw Jesus getting in the face of the religious leaders of his day. 
the people who should have known God better than anyone else, and yet he's having to confront them. And so today he's going to get in the face of people not unlike you and me who might like to store up too much stuff out of fear for the wrong reasons. So, so we're going to read this, and the first part of this is a reiteration from last week. So if you were here last week, this is going to be a little bit of a repeat, but apparently Jesus thinks it's important enough to say it over again. So he kind of expands on what we talked about. Verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So in a nutshell, Jesus says, don't be driven by fear. Don't, don't hoard stuff out of fear. And he says it's not necessary to be anxious. There are four reasons why we don't need to be anxious about money. So I'm going to go through these pretty quickly because I want to get to another main point that Jesus makes. But, I, but we want to hit these because Jesus said them and they're, they're important. So we, we don't need to be anxious because, number one, life is more than loot. Okay, in verse 22... Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Have you experienced how small the world gets when you are worried about something financial? I mean, we experienced this earlier this year when our taxes came due. We got our tax report, and I, I don't know about you, but the new tax code did not help our family at all. In fact, uh, we, we had this like perfect storm of tax code and then stuff that we didn't realize from the last couple of years, and it all just kind of came together, and we were like, whoa, what is this? And there was a period of time here earlier this spring where we're just like, how, what, I mean, how are we going to deal with this? I mean, what, what, what are we going to do? And it's, it's amazing how small the world becomes and how consumed we can be with those worries about our finances, and Jesus says, don't be consumed by those things. Life is more than, than all of that. Besides that, he goes on with point number two, God is your provider. So in verse 24, he says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? So Jesus says, consider the ravens. 
Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry, not, not those ravens. Okay, wait. Uh, those ravens. Okay. Jesus says, consider the, the ravens. They don't have storehouses. They don't have barns. They don't do work. And yet God provides for all of their needs. It's really significant that Jesus picks ravens as his example because in the Torah, there's a delineation of what animals are clean, what you can eat, and what animals you're not to have anything to do with. Ravens are one of those animals that is unclean. Eagles are as well, incidentally. <laughs> but Jesus picks the, the ravens to say, if, if God, see, God cares even about the unclean animals that he created, which by now all of those distinctions have been done away with. But he says, if God cares about them, and provides for them. How much more is he gonna care about you, his treasured creation? So God is our provider, not us. See, we, we buy the lie that we think we provide for our own needs, but God is our provider. And so when we trust that, we can experience what it's like to be free as a bird. I mean, maybe that's where that term comes from. We can be free as a bird because God is going to take care of us. Imagine the lightheartedness of never having to worry about where the next thing is coming from that you need because you trust so fully that God is your provider. You don't need to be anxious. There's a third reason why Jesus says don't be anxious, and that is that anxiety is pointless. In verse 25, he says, Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? So Jesus says, you're not accomplishing anything by being anxious. See, we, we all like to accomplish stuff, right? We, we like to like, be productive. Well, what you produce by being anxious and worrying is exactly nothing, I mean, you, you get nothing for it. There are things that you can do to help your financial situation. I mean, you might figure out how maybe you can work a little extra, bring in a little extra income. Maybe you can cut back on your spending. You can do a little bit of planning. There are things that you can do to help your financial situation, but worrying is not one of them. And so Jesus says it's pointless. And Jesus here is pointing out also just some of the, the limitations to our control, we, we like to control things. We like to even control things with money. But, but Jesus says, how many of you by worrying can add a single hour to his span of life? We, we can't make our life longer. We can't make ourselves taller. We can't control any of those things by our worrying. It's, it's pointless. So just relax and trust. Verse 27, consider the lilies, how they grow they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? There's one more reason, and this gets really personal. Jesus says it's not necessary, there's no reason to be anxious because your Father knows your needs. So in verse 29, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added 
to you. See, your needs and my needs are, are not met by standing in a long government line and showing our ID and, and getting something. Uh, your, your needs and my needs are not even met by getting a paycheck from our employer. Your, your needs and my needs are met because we have a Father in heaven who loves us and gives to us. Do you realize that if you have a job and you're earning an income, the reason you have the ability to have that job and you have the intelligence that you have and you have the skills that you have is because God gave those to you. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray in his model prayer, give us today our daily bread. Give me today what I need for today because I'm dependent on you and you know my needs and you will provide them so there's no need to be anxious. There's no need to worry. We, we have a father, not an agency or some distant person. We have a father who provides for us out of his love. Paul says this in Romans chapter eight. He says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? We're gonna celebrate in a few minutes communion and the sacrifice that God the Father made to send his son who was most precious to him, who sacrificed his life on our behalf so that our sins could be washed away. And Paul says, how? I mean, if God is willing to sacrifice Jesus for us, how will he not also provide for all of our needs? There's no need to be anxious. That's what Jesus is saying in, in a nutshell. There, there's good reasons to not be anxious. And so instead, verse 31, instead seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. So instead of wasting so much energy, being anxious, worrying, fretting, instead of that, he says, turn your attention to seeking God's kingdom and then all these other things will be taken care of. Verse 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We, we don't work for it. We don't achieve it. We don't get God to owe it to us. He gives it to us. Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so here is the different kind of nest egg. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. We, we can't take it with us. Steve touched on this last week because he, he talked about the fact that you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Although I guess it is possible to be buried in your car. But we, we can't take it. Whatever we accumulate, whatever we put away, whatever nest egg we end up with, we can't take that with us. But we can send it on ahead. This, this idea, this is this quote, by the way, I have to give credit where it's due. This comes from Randy Alcorn. I didn't make this up. But Randy Alcorn said this in a book. And if you want to read more on this. This is a great book, The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. This is a little uh, small book on giving that's really easy to get through. If you want to dig into something even more meaty by Randy Alcorn, Money, Possessions, and Eternity goes over every aspect of our financial lives, not just giving, but really great resources. So we can't take it with us, but we can send it on ahead. We see that idea really clearly in verse 33. Sell your possessions Give to the needy. 
Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. So it is possible to make deposits in a heavenly bank account that is never depleted, that never crashes because of the the market, that can't be stolen. It is possible to make deposits in a heavenly bank account that will last forever. How do we do that? Well, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. The early church took this command very seriously. It's interesting, Luke wrote this account of Jesus' life. Luke also wrote a follow-up book called Acts, where he talks about the early church. And in Acts, we find that the church put this into practice. Acts chapter four says, those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. So it sounds like they lived in in a community where people didn't hold on and hold on too tightly to their stuff, but when they saw a need, they would let go of it and they would let that be redirected to someone who, who had a need. This sounds a little bit to us like socialism, communism, except that there's a huge difference between what we see in our society today in socialism and communism and what we see in scripture in these communities. And, And that is very simply this. It's the difference between being forced to do it and doing it voluntarily. So in a communist government, what people who have Things are taken from people who have and then given to people who don't have. What God is calling us to is to do that voluntarily when we see a need that we sell something, we liquidate something, we eliminate something that we don't need to give to someone who is in need. And that's because there's a different end in mind than than communism. I mean, in, in scripture, for Jesus, the end in mind is twofold, to help someone in need and to make a deposit in your eternal savings account. Isn't it like God to come up with a win-win scenario? God is so gracious. I mean, God, he, he doesn't have to be that way. He could just tell us what to do. He could just say, I want you to liquidate some of your stuff and give it to somebody else to bless them, but he wants to bless us in that process. See, it's interesting, you you can challenge me on this if if somebody wants to talk to me this week, but I I can't find any place in scripture where Jesus commands people to not be rich. What he does do is go to those who are rich and he says, loosen your grip. Why, Why don't you practice that with me? Why don't you make a fist like you're gripping onto something and what Jesus says is, I want you to release that grip. Okay, practice with you guys are not doing this. Okay, so make, make a fist. I can see you, okay, just like you can see me. So make a fist and then let go of it. What Jesus says is, I want you to practice letting go of what I have placed into your, your hands. And so 
Jesus goes to the rich, to, to those who are rich. See, we, we need people who have resources. I mean, in ministry, we, we need that. Jesus needed that. He had people surrounding him as he was going through his ministry on earth who had resources, and they were giving them to support his ministry. That continues all the way through the, the New Testament. So we need people who have resources, but we, have, we need people who aren't gripping their resources so tightly that they won't let go of them to accomplish what God is wanting them to to do. And that's why Jesus said it's hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom because it can be hard to let go of that stuff once we have it in in our grip. But when we are freed from greed, then we are free to invest in eternity. When we are freed from greed, it increases our capacity to give. It increases our ability to see the needs around us and to be free to meet those needs. So I, at this point, I, I need to address a question that is a, a fair question. If we're, if we're talking about um, not making too big of a nest egg here on earth and, and sending it on ahead, how much of a nest egg should I have? How much is too much to save? And how much should I be giving? I had this question from someone uh, a month or so ago. They uh, invited me to lunch, and they wanted to talk about this question. They're, they're thinking about their nest egg. They're thinking about later in life, and just how much is too much to lay up? And so I told him, you know, very honestly, I, I can't give you a formula for that. I can't give any one of us a formula for that. I don't think there's anything that applies to everybody across the board other than this, these principles is to keep two things in mind. One is to keep the parable of the rich fool in mind, and that Jesus calls us not to lay up things for ourselves for out of the wrong motivation and just to be comfortable. So keep that one in mind. And then secondly, keep eternity in mind. And this eternal bank account, we can send it on ahead. So how much do you want to have? I mean, you may have a lot here in this lifetime. This is really short, I mean, I hope you know in light of eternity, what we experience in this lifetime is very short. So you may have a whole lot laid up here. And you, if you're not sending it on ahead to your eternal bank account, you're going to spend eternity with that bank account. And so, so bear those things in mind as you pray through and wrestle through. And I hope you bring that to the Lord and say, God, what do you want for me? Given my situation, given the resources you have blessed me with, what do you want from me? Bearing those things in mind. I got to see someone up close in the last couple of weeks who has traded the, the American dream as we know it for investing in eternity. And so I want to take just a couple of minutes here and just highlight the, the trip that Sherry and I just got to, to have uh, to Italy to visit two of our supported missionaries, Tim and Jackie Faulkner. So I want to do two things here. I want to just highlight um, how God is at work in Tim and Jackie's life personally and what they have given up to, to sacrifice and invest in the kingdom. And then secondly, I want to show you a little bit of what their investment, how that's paying off in the church that they are working with. So uh, Sherry and I had not had a lot of opportunity to spend with Tim and Jackie. They have uh, come, they came out of Grace Point and they have been in Italy for 21 years. And so this was kind of new for us to get to know them. And so when Tim picked us up at the Naples airport, well, first of all, they, they invited us to come because their church that they've been working with was celebrating 30 year anniversary. 
And so Tim said, would you like to come and represent Grace Point and, and you can bring us a message and stuff. And I was like, are you sure you want me to come? Because there's a lot of people at Grace Point who have a lot more history with you. And he said, yeah, I think it'd be great if you would come. So I was like, okay, twist my arm. You know, we'll, we'll go to Italy. We haven't been to Italy before. So we, we got to the airport and Tim is, is picking us up. And so first indication we got that they have made some sacrifices is they picked us up in our car with no air conditioning. And I don't know if you have been watching the news at all, but I mean, Europe is all, you know, in this big heat wave. And so, so we're riding back to their house with no air conditioning. And then we got to their house with no air conditioning. And so we went in, we're unloading our stuff, which is usually not a big deal for, for them because they get this really nice breeze off the off the water and that kind of thing. But, you know, this last week, it was, it was just pretty uncomfortable. So that was kind of a little taste. That was like our beginning taste of just seeing that they have given some things up that we consider, right, necessities. And so we, one, another thing that we noticed as we got to their house is we realized that they, they had to open a gate in order for us to be able to get into their, their property because they, everything is behind gates. They've got bars on their windows. It's just, it's not really what you would call a, a nice neighborhood. In fact, like just a couple of blocks away from their house, there were prostitutes working. There was one night we went out uh, for, for dinner and we were driving past and they were getting out and getting in position for, for what they were doing that, that evening. That's just a couple of blocks. They have planted themselves there intentionally because they want to be a light in that community and to their neighbors. And believe me, they, they are a light. I mean, they are a bright light in, in a pretty dark area there. But what they would say, and what Tim did say to me, I mean, they, they wouldn't want us like holding them up on a pedestal, like, look how much they've sacrificed. Tim says, you know, the, the sacrifice that they have made is so small compared to what they're seeing God do. And so I just wanted to give that example of, here's what, and many people have given up, you know, many more things. And, but I mean, they've made a sacrifice to invest in a church over the period of, of 21 years. So let's talk a little bit about the ministry there at Il Faro Church, which means lighthouse. So Il Faro has, uh, is celebrating 30 years. And one of the great things that has happened during that time is that Tim and Jackie have intentionally invested in the people there and specifically in leaders there in that church so that they can now hand this church off to an Italian pastor. So the man you see here in the picture is Danilo, Pastor Danilo, who's 35 years old. And earlier, just a few months ago this year, Tim officially passed the baton of leadership and, and pastoral leadership to Danilo. And so that has been their dream all along, is, is not that this church would be led. The, the church was planted by an American pastor before Tim. His name was also Tim. And then Tim Faulkner, Tim and Jackie came along. But they didn't want this church to be led by an American pastor forever. They wanted to hand it off to uh, an Italian pastor. And now that's happening because of their investment and because of your investment in, into them. And you should know how unique this is and how, how great this is to celebrate. Because in the country of Italy, there are very, very few churches that actually support their own pastor. Most pastors are either bivocational or they don't get paid at all. They just do it completely as a volunteer. But this church has gotten to a point where they're able to support Danilo so that he can give all of his energy, all of his time to be able to lead this church and to see it grow, to see more people reached. And so that's part of the investment taking away from, you know, what might have been more comfortable for a more comfortable life for Tim and Jackie, they've invested in this way. The other thing that's really cool about Il Faro 
is that it is truly a multicultural church. So they wanted to be very intentional from the beginning that this is not just gonna be an English-speaking church, which it could easily be because they're very close to a military base and they're about 15 minutes away and they could draw all English-speaking people from there. But they wanna reach their community. They wanna reach people and speak the language literally of their community. And so they've been very intentional about translating everything. And so I wanna give you a little taste of that this morning. I wanna play a video for you of a song. All the songs, all the worship songs that they do, they'll do a verse in English and then they do a verse in Italian to make sure that everybody is connecting with that and they'll do the translations up on the screen. So take a listen to see how this works. So neat stuff happening on the other side of the ocean so we can celebrate uh, the sacrifice of, of Tim and Jackie and their family, their kids who have grown up there, but also just the investment that you guys have made, that we have made as a church in them to make this possible. There's, there's a lot of ways, a lot of ways to send it on ahead besides being a missionary. So let me just close here this morning with just a few ideas for us to think about as we think about how can we make investments in that eternal bank account. There are many of you already who are sponsoring children in, in Bolivia. And so, and many of you sponsor children in other places as well. There are more children all, always uh, who are in need of sponsoring. And so Compassion actually has a special page to set up just for Grace Point. You can go to that page, compassion.com slash Grace Point and see kids in Bolivia who are in need of being sponsoring. And so maybe you decide there's something that you can eliminate or liquidate out of your, your possessions that you say, I wanna invest that in someone in need. You're, you're doing two things. You're helping someone in need and you are making an investment in your, your spiritual, your eternal bank account. Um, school supplies, we've done this for, for several years. There's opportunity even in our local area here to help kids who are in need. And so we'll have more information about that next week as people start gearing up. I know we don't wanna think about school, but as people start thinking about school and gearing up for that, there's opportunity to help kids get the supplies that they need. We'll have more info on that next week. And then the focus process. Uh, as Steve has mentioned that, we're gonna continue to pray for that. We have these survey trips coming up. And there, there's gonna be multitude of ways to invest in that focus process that then invests in eternity. In fact, we've had someone already who has been so excited about this process, even though we don't know yet, is this gonna be Lebanon or is it gonna be Thailand? But someone was so excited about that, they said, I wanna make a substantial contribution for that focus process. And so someone's already made an investment in that in this way. And so there'll be, again, many other opportunities to, to go. Um, and I wanna just, I wanna lay out, I wanna plant this seed, lay out this challenge that maybe there's someone who in this new season of outreach for us as a church sees this as an opportunity not just to go, but to stay. I mean, I don't know if you realize or not, we have 10 cent missionaries that we support that have come out of Grace Point. And so these are not, we also support other missionaries who are from other churches and other areas, and that's great too. But I think it's, it's really worth celebrating to say that as a church in this season that we're in, we have 10 people who came out of our church who said, I, I wanna invest myself this way. And I'm praying that as we enter into this new season with the focus that maybe God is gonna tap someone on the shoulder to say, this is your turn. This is your turn to go and make an investment in a substantial way. And then we're here, we're supporting them and sending behind them or standing behind them. 
We can't take it with us, but we can send it on ahead. So what might God be asking you to do right now in your situation as an individual or maybe as a family? Maybe there's something that you can eliminate in your spending or something you can liquidate. Maybe there's something you've got, some possession you've got, and it's really, it's just sitting there. Or maybe you actually love it. I mean, maybe it's something you use all the time. And you say, you know what? I, this, this is, I'm going to lose this in the end. I can't take this with me. But I want to I wanna send it on ahead. What might God be wanting to do with you? Martin Luther said this, I've held many things in my hands and I've lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you for all that you have given us. You have blessed us to be a blessing. And particularly in this area of the world, in this area of the country, we have been blessed materially. And you didn't bless us just to hold on to it or even to make a comfortable end of life for ourselves. You blessed us to be a blessing. So help us to be conduits and not reservoirs. And Lord, help us to see, help us each to wrestle with you on this issue, to see what you might be wanting and asking us to let go of, to how we might sell possessions and give to those in need so that we might store up money, uh, store up money bags for ourselves, uh, a nest egg for the future that no one can ever take away. Thank you, Lord, that in that process, you bless two people. You bless the recipient who is in need, but you also bless us. You're so gracious. We thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your kindness in providing salvation for us through Christ. And we celebrate that now in communion. And we look to you, uh, Lord, to meet our needs. And we thank you for the needs that you have met. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.